Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Good evening, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the program. Now, on with tonight's show. As the owner of an August birthday, I tend to notice that strange things happen in the month of August, least of which is my birth. But there are natural disasters, there are attacks, there are bombings, there are wars, there are battles. Bad things happen on August 3rd or in the month of August. I want to address something that's come to light in the last week or so. Something I call the anniversaries of evil doings. In 1969, Los Angeles in the Benedict Canyon area, there's a street called Cielo Drive or Cielo Drive. And on Cielo Drive was a home on a bit of property owned by a man named Terry Melcher. Now, Terry Melcher was a record producer and he was well known among the musical set and knew a lot of music celebrities and and different people but more than that terry melcher was doris day's son and terry melcher uh was the kind of guy that would be introduced to new artists or artists trying to find a break of uh, songwriters different things and he knew dennis wilson from the beach boys so Dennis was going to introduce him to this songwriter that he knew. And this songwriter happened to be named Charles Manson. Now Charles Manson, suffice it to say, had a rough life growing up. Uh, his life story is one of, of continual heartbreak and disruption and jail time, de detention center time both of his mother and himself till he was sent to live with family in Kentucky I believe it was and he grew up turning bad going doing you know little robberies thefts things like that so by the time the 60s rolled around he had gotten out of prison for the what would be his last time getting out of prison and he started trying to write songs well Terry Melcher took an interest in Charles Manson because apparently Charles Manson wrote some good songs uh, it said that several of the musicians of the time sang his music and recorded it so apparently he was worth listening to 
Well, I don't know what happened, but Terry Melcher then lost interest in Charles Manson and, and didn't have anything else to do with him. And I have a feeling that rejection may have done something to Charles Manson. May have set a chip on his shoulder about Terry Melcher. That's my supposition. I've never read that. I've never seen that in print. That's just my supposition. Well, in the meantime, Mr. Melcher has rented, has moved out of the Cielo uh, Drive house and rented it to the movie director and actor Roman Polanski and his pregnant wife, Sharon Tate. Along about this time, the Beatles had a song called Helter Skelter on one of their albums. And Charles Manson really took that song to heart and took the lyrics to heart. But with his own interpretations, he thought that that meant, or he told people that the song Helter Skelter was talking about an Armageddon-style race war that was coming to America. And he wanted to precipitate that. And for whatever reason in his twisted mind, he felt that the deaths of the people who lived on Cielo Drive would help precipitate a race battle. Well, on August 9th, I'm sorry, August 8th and 9th, six people were murdered on Cielo Drive. Actress Sharon Tate and her unborn child, writer Wojciech Frykowski, coffee heiress Abigail Folger, and celebrity hairstylist Jay Sebring, and an unfortunate man who just happened to be there named Stephen Parent, who was friends with the gardener of the property. Those six people were murdered in a most horrific fashion by three of Manson's followers. A man named Tex Watson, a woman named Susan Atkins, another woman named Patricia Krenwinkel, and a woman named Linda Kasabian acted as the lookout. The next night, having been upset by the sloppiness of the previous night's slaughter, Charles Manson packed up the family and went on a tour looking for victims. Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, Linda Kasabian, Leslie Van Houten, and Steve Clem Grogan joined Manson in the search for victims. They found Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. They were murdered in their home by Watson, Atkins, Krenwinkel, and Van Houten. Now these murders occurred early in August 1969 but the family was not arrested until October 1969 for car theft or suspected car theft according to reports one of the women made small talk in the jail cell with her cellmate about having killed Sharon Tate and those people uh, the evidence came from other other uh, areas that people were bragging about having killed these people, Sharon Tate and the, the LaBiancas. So, 
gathering all the information together, the family was indicted one by one. All were charged with murder, and they added the murders of Gary Hinman, who is a music teacher, which took place in July of 1969, and about the same time, a movie stuntman named Shorty Shea was, was murdered. Linda Kasabian turned state's evidence, so she was given immunity for her testimony. The family was found guilty on January 25, 1971. Death penalties were served all around. But, 1972, California killed the death penalty. All sentences were commuted to life in prison. Susan Atkins dies in prison in 2009. A man named Bobby Beausoleil, who was connected with the murder of Hinman, life, denied parole 2016 for the 18th time. Bruce Davis, life, connected to the Hinman murder and Shorty Shea's murder. 2017, Davis was recommended for parole, denied. A few years later, in 1975, a Manson family member pops up to be in the public eye again because she decided to take a couple of pot shots at then-President Gerald Ford. Lynette Squeaky Fromm was put in prison for that act. She was paroled in 2009. Clem Grogan was released on parole in 1986 after revealing the location of the body of the stuntman Shorty Shea. Patricia Krenwinkel, life. 2017, she was denied parole for the 14th time. Leslie Van Houten, life. Denied parole in 2016 as Governor Brown says she is a danger to society. Tex Watson, life, denied parole for the 17th time in 2016. Charles Manson, life, denied parole continuously. While in prison, he has committed so many acts of violence that it just adds to his sentence and, and they just keep denying his parole. What makes a man so evil? Is it rejection by family? Is it just the way they're born? They're just born bad. And what makes people so gullible is to follow someone like this, to do something so horrific just to make one person happy. I don't know. I have no answer for that. But I want to do a quick glimpse back about 130 years, give or take, to London, England, between August and October of 1888, when a man named, nicknamed Jack the Ripper kept London in fear. I believe he committed something like six murders in the Whitechapel district of London. No one was ever caught no one was ever indicted. No one was ever, you know, put in jail for it. 
they had plenty of suspects, but no actual person picked up for it. Let's come back to the near present. Between July of 1976 and July of 1977, New York suffered a terrifying time because there seemed to be a madman on the loose who was shooting people with a 44 caliber pistol. And the, the attacks were so random that no one knew where it was going to happen or when. The man that the press and the people would come to know as Son of Sam killed six people and injured seven between July and July of 76 and 77. In July, on July 29th of 1976, two girls, Donna Loria and Jody Valente, were sitting in a car after having come home from a club. And they were sitting in the car discussing their evening at the club when Donna went to get out of the car and saw a man walking quickly up to the car. And she said, well, what is this? And suddenly the man knelt pulled a gun out of a paper bag and fired, killing Donna instantly and shooting Jody Valenti in the thigh and then ran off. Jody seemed to have been able to give a description of the man. On October 23, 1976, Carl Denora and Rosemary Keenan were sitting in a car when they were approached by a man who pulled a pistol and fired into the car. Carl was injured by a gun, by the bullet. Carl was injured by the bullet, but Rosemary was injured by flying glass, so it wasn't serious. But they were able to get a bit of a, a bit of a, a description there. November 27th, 1976, Donna DeMasi and Joanne Lamino were standing on a porch after having come home from an evening out, they were discussing things. When a man in camouflage walked up to him and started asking directions and suddenly pulled a gun out and fired several times, hitting and injuring Donna. But when he shot Joanne, she was turned into a paraplegic. January 30th of 1977. The new year brought no relief from the son of Sam. Christine Freund and John Deal were sitting in a car when a man walked up to the car and pulled a pistol and opened fire. Christina was killed and John was injured. March 8th of 1977. A girl named Virginia Muscarichan and I know I messed up that name, was walking home from school when a man approached her, pulled a pistol, and she tried to cover herself with her books as a, as a shield, but the man shot her and she died. On April 17th of 1977, Alexandra Esau and Valentina Suriani were sitting in a car talking. When a man walked up to them, opened fire, killing them both. But there were witnesses, and they got a description of the man. 
June 26, 1977, Sal Lupo and Judy Placido were sitting in a car when a man walked up, pulled a pistol, and opened fire, injuring both of them. July 31, 1977, Stacy Moskowitz and Robert Violante were sitting in a car when a man walked up, pulled a gun, fired into the car, killed Stacy, and injured Robert. But there were more witnesses this time, and they get good descriptions of this individual. It was thought that this man hated women because he shot mostly women. But he admitted in a letter to the press that he didn't hate women. It was said that the man that the police finally tracked down and arrested because of a parking ticket was David Berkowitz. He was a military veteran, good discharge. He worked for the post office as a letter sorter. After his arrest, David Berkowitz claimed to have been told to kill by a demon inhabiting his neighbor Sam's dog named Harvey. January 12, 1978, David Berkowitz was sentenced 25 years to life. 1979, he came back and said the claim of the demon story was a hoax. Later on, he claimed conversion to Christianity in prison, no longer calling himself Son of Sam, and no longer enjoying people calling him Son of Sam, but he calls himself Son of Hope now. David Berkowitz has recently been in the press for the anniversaries, I assume, of these things, and he doesn't like Son of Sam. He doesn't want to be called that anymore. He still claims that there was evil that possessed him to do this. I don't know. I don't know about his conversion. I don't know how serious it is. I don't know how serious it was. I can only hope it was it was true. But he will pay still for the acts that he did. Evil is evil is out there, folks. Uh, we see it every day. The recent attacks in Barcelona and, and in the resort town there, the, the knife attacks in Finland, the stupidity over in Charlottesville, just different things. We see evil all the time. And we must be on, on guard for it. We must be on guard against it. We must know how to fight it. But what possesses people, I can only say, would be evil. And that's there's only one way I know to protect against that, and that's to make sure your heart is right. I'm not going to preach, I'm just saying that. These are some anniversaries of events that happened in and around August that I found interesting, that... I, it dawned on me that these were the anniversaries. I thought I would share them with you. I thought you might like to hear the stories. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you want to contact me, you can contact me via Facebook at Terry's Mysterious Moments. Or you can contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. 
That's Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook or Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Don't forget, we produce on Wednesdays. Be sure that you listen to the Real Paranormal, I'm sorry, Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast on Mondays. Get the Real Paranormal Activity app. You can listen to them anytime. Go back in the archives. It's a great app. Aaron Hunter is a great guy over there at Real Paranormal Activity. He he fathered this podcast, so I'm I'm beholden to him for it. I thank you for all the work you do, Aaron and Britt, and I appreciate you, the listener, and I want you to have a good week. Bye for now. <laughs>